Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss tonight. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, great to be back in your lives. Great to be back in your lives. I just took my Red Sox hat off out of fear, not fear, but out of concern for any sensitive viewers or listeners. Everybody hates the Red Sox on a Monday morning after what happened on Sunday night. Monday, October 11, 2021. It is episode 320 of the Anakin Florian podcast. So Ken Flo is of a happy disposition today. It's got to be because Bitcoin is north of 57,000. Um, because I thought you got out of this IBJJF Nogi World Championships clean, healthy, and that is not at all the case, as Cody tells me. Uh, so you must be smiling about Bitcoin, then. Is that why you're so happy? Well, that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's good to see your face, first of all. It's Thank great. You. It's great to do the show. Always fun. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I had an interesting weekend. It was first of all, it was awesome to be back on the mat. I'm just 
genuinely happy I had a chance to compete. It always makes me better, makes me more focused with my training and what I need to work on and all that sure. stuff. So that was that was really cool. Um, but you know, my my back injury, um, it comes and goes, and uh, wasn't feeling great uh, prior to the tournament. I, I was training a lot, maybe a little bit too much, which. Didn't seem like a lot to me, but I'm 45 years old, so who the fuck knows? But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm warming up with my 118-pound uh, black belt buddy. That was on, by design. I, I didn't want to, you know, have a whole lot of weight prior to the match. And um, somehow my back still seized up. I'm doing a takedown. I'm actually leaning on him, and my back freezes up. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Um, so I take some time to kind of stretch and work whatever I needed to work out. I go back to drilling. I feel it freeze up again. I'm kind of stopping it going every minute to see how it goes. Um, you know, before you know it, I, I kind of have to do a check-in. I have to go weigh in. Um, I was really light. Uh, probably should have gone down the, the other weight class. But, uh, you know, you I weigh think the scale. I, one, 179. I had like a huge pasta dinner the night before. I, I had right. an awesome breakfast, a lot of food. So I was feeling good. I was energized, but uh, definitely on the smaller side and the weaker side right. of things when I locked up with these guys. So that was interesting. But um, first guy was super strong, um, ended up going to my back, uh, ended up coming up for a, for a sweep, scored some points on the on, on the top, you know, mounted him, stuff like that. Time runs out. I, I win, I think, 12 nothing. Um Woo! But my back wasn't feeling great. So the second yeah. round, I knew it was going to be my toughest match. Um, went against a guy, Johnny Faria, at a, a Alliance San Diego. Uh, really good competitor, multiple-time world champion. And I was nervous about coming up off of my back um, on the wrestling side because I didn't want to bear his weight as I came up for a takedown or a sweep. So I was like, I'm just going to have to keep it on the feet and see how it goes, see how my back feels. And... Um, you know, it, it was zero zero at the end of the time limit. Um, so it went down to, uh, to the referee's decision. The referee chose him, um, okay. and uh, he ended up advancing That's and, and winning. The, he ended up winning the whole thing. I just to say so, <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't see the match, but it's bullshit. Absolutely, right, 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 right. that's how I feel. Uh, no, I mean it was <laughs> it was close. I don't I don't feel that I did enough. You know, neither of us really did much. It was just one of those boring damn grappling matches you see two old guys engage in every once in a while so that was kind of upsetting but so he ended up winning the whole thing uh looked great uh, uh in the final submitted his guy and uh that was that dude uh my back just got progressively worse saturday i'm going home back to charlotte and the the, the taxi driver you know, nice guy drops me off though at, like the wrong place and now i gotta go to tsa security I have two backpacks that didn't weigh much, but they it felt like I was carrying a rhino and an elephant on either oh, side. I'm sure. And I'm and I'm walking. It's a maybe a 300, 400 yard walk, and it felt like it was four miles. And oh. eventually, I see a wheelchair check in. Okay, and I've never done this after a mixed martial arts fight, but I asked these people, please, can you can you wheel me to my gate? Because I just could not take it any longer. I was hunched over, um, my hips and. And so as are just on fire, I could not move. They're freezing up as I walk. And uh, thank God I did. It was like a, a half a mile walk to my gate. Yeah. And uh, as embarrassing as it was, but I'm glad I did it. And, you know, uh, yesterday felt a little better. I was still a little hunched over. Um, went to a buddy's house to try to alleviate some of the pain and like do this hang thing. Right. So I'm better. And then today I'm feeling better. Still a little Good. hunched over, a little kick in my hip. But here we are, man. It was still fun to get out there and compete. But uh 
I got to figure out this back thing. Anytime I think I figured it out, it yeah. uh, comes back to rear its ugly head. So I remember talking to some of my colleagues who were in an Abu Dhabi airport, I believe, with Michael Bisping before he got his second knee replaced. Mm. And they said you could just hear him moaning, you know hundreds of yards away um so i can feel for athletes and fighters when you're in an airport and you have football fields in front of you and your body just yeah. won't respond so have you ever had like cortisone shots or anything in this back i i haven't um joe rogan was telling me about a thing called regenekine and he said it's helped his shoulder and back and neck and um i'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing it and uh, you know talking to my wife it, it's expensive obviously insurance doesn't cover it yeah but um you know there's not a whole lot of places that do it these days in the world and you know um i, I don't know i i don't know if it's 100 percent effective that's the thing and I, I don't like the idea of someone putting a long needle in my spine but um i don't know i, I gotta get something figured out because has any doctor ec- ever recommended that you get surgery or no yes yeah see it's a tricky yes. thing you know i I know only friends and relatives who have had success stories with the surgery, right? And, right. and Heidi, Heidi Dean, who listens to our show, longtime UFC employee, um, had two majorly invasive back surgeries inside of 48 hours. She had wow. one and then 24 hours later, another. Oh She's gosh. like a totally different human being. So really? we'll talk more about that off the air. Uh, wow. But. I can only speak to the successful surgeries, not obviously the ones that yeah. have not gone well. But we're glad you're in one piece. We're glad you're a little bit Thanks, better. We're, we're glad that Bitcoin is north of 57K. <laughs> it was at like 31 not all that long ago, folks. Dude, you, know, you got to trust. Like, no. And you were buying those dips, Johnny. I'm I proud did. of you. I bought some of proud those of dips. We're doing okay. And I'm going to give it all back at the eye doctor today with my <laughs> – my little girl who needs glasses. All right. So a lot to get to today. We want to talk a little bit about the uh, the boxing pay-per-view and the trilogy to be that was completed with uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder uh, and some interesting angles on that. I tweeted this morning, Kenny, you know, Mandalay Bay, when I was covering boxing regularly from, I guess, 03 to 08, they would always give us a folder that would say Mandalay Bay, boxing at its best, right? And I tweeted this morning, In my time covering boxing, I'd always say when boxing is at its best, nothing can touch it. And I continued to write, you know, MMA is far more exciting for me now and delivers more consistently. But when boxing delivers, it captivates in a unique way. Some of my greatest memories as a broadcast journalist were covering major boxing events. And there's just a special, unique quality to boxing. I don't quite know how to put it into words, but when boxing is at its best, as it really was on Saturday night, with the back and forth, the stakes and everything else, the heavyweight division, um, you know, it's really, really great. I just, for me, overall, the sport as a whole, with a lot of the holding and clinching, I just feel like MMA has has a lot more to offer on the whole, Saturday night in, Saturday night out. But obviously, it was a special, uh, special night for boxing over the weekend. I agree with everything you said. I think that when you have two heavyweight uh, competitors, two heavyweight champions like Wilder and Fury going at it, and and you have um, just the right recipe um, for all of these things, you had two guys that really didn't like each other, uh, two guys that were extremely dangerous, two massive human beings. I mean, these aren't your typical heavyweight uh, boxers. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and two distinct styles. I, it really had everything to make it an amazing fight and of course we had this trilogy and um the previous fights were amazing as well uh and to see this kind of ending with both fighters knocking each other down and it's the stuff that makes legends it's the stuff 
that movies are, are written about uh, and are made. Um, and it, it really was a special night for boxing. Uh, both men showed an insane amount of heart. Uh, in the end, it was Tyson Fury. I think you know, he showed that he was the better boxer. He was the better boxer heading into this. Um, it doesn't always work out that the best boxer wins. In right. this case, uh, he did. He showed he was a little bit more skillful um, and uh, better footwork, uh, perhaps better conditioning. Um, and my goodness, what a fight. And congratulations to the legend Tyson Fury and to Wilder as well, who showed an unbelievable uh, amount of heart. Yeah, I think some would argue this is the night on which Tyson Fury really became a legend in terms of his all-time heavyweight greatness. I mean, I don't know that there's anybody that's arguing he's not the best heavyweight of this era, but uh, he's in a pretty elite class as far as the history of the sport of boxing. And then Deontay Wilder on the other side, you know, certainly part of me, I think, has a rooting interest for for the American, you know, the underdog. And uh, I think he was in a tricky spot in terms of the speed and the size. You know, I'm not a boxing journalist right now, but I read a lot of things about his weight and finding the optimal weight and i think it's really hard when you're fighting somebody with fury size you know it's like you can't come in 225 you know i mean uh, absolutely especially you know when he typically is the larger man or the, the longer man you know he's going against a guy tyson fury who had height and weight uh height and weight on him yeah 40 pounds dude 40 pounds is significant at the elite level 10 pounds is significant. You're talking about a 40-pound weight disadvantage. That is huge. Um, and and that was Wilder bulking up and doing everything possible right, to get right. as, as big as he could. So, um, the, the, you know, some serious odds, you know, tough odds for him. Uh, wasn't able to get it done, but still, uh, what a fight. And, and that, that definitely w- was an instant classic. And I believe Wilder was his lightest for the first meeting. I wonder how he would approach the fourth, but... Um, I think he would do it similarly to the way he did the third fight. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'm at the airport following it on my phone, you know, flying back after UFC fight night. And uh, it was just crazy watching the uh, the world blow up as to what they were seeing. So congratulations to uh, to Tyson Fury, who uh, is a pretty damn easy guy to root for, I would say, as well. Got to feel good for him on a Monday morning. All right. Marina Rodriguez and Mackenzie Dern both hope to be the athlete that we would lead the show with, but we are leading, of course, with Marina Rodriguez. She was about a plus 160 underdog here in the main event against Mackenzie Dern. She wins it by unanimous decision, 49-46 times three. It was the fight of the night, according to Dana White and the matchmakers. I probably would have given the bonus money elsewhere, but that is neither here nor there. Marina Rodriguez is a bona fide UFC strawweight contender. Uh, And if she wasn't so damn classy, she probably would have barked for a title shot, but she's in the mix. There aren't that many big names or big fights left in front of her. Marina Rodriguez looks primed to, to maybe one day fight for the title. What'd you think of her performance over the weekend? Listen, I thought she showed uh, a high level of toughness um, and just showed that she was by far uh, the, the, the superior striker out there. Uh, that's really where she had a huge advantage. Mackenzie Dern, um, you know, uh, very basic in her approach when it came to striking, of course, you know, and she had showed some improvements and, and, seem to have an elevated level of comfort on the feet. But when you're going against someone like a Marina Rodriguez, you're going to look even worse out there and you will be exposed. Um, and to me, that's what it seemed like. She didn't understand the proper distance that she was supposed to be at. Marina was making her pay repeatedly, uh, came out and had a very strong first round. Um, but, and you know, and we talked about this, you know, these were two very different fighters out there. We had a potent striker in Marina Rodriguez and a potent grappler in Mackenzie Dern. Once they were able to get each other into the other realm, they were dominant. Uh, Mackenzie on the ground, 
Um, you know, I thought she had her opportunities at, at, at a choke at one point. I had, she thought she had opportunities um, with that arm triangle. I thought she had opportunities with a couple arm locks that may have that she may have missed uh, a little bit, maybe didn't go for it or force it a little bit more, which, you know, when time was running out, which I thought she should have at least. Yes. Um, but anyways, you know, I, I thought both women, you know, fought their hearts out. But um, I think inexperience was a factor uh, for Mackenzie out there as well. She seemed to panic yep. a little bit out there and, um, you know, obviously needs to get more experience with both her striking, her entries into the takedowns and the finishes of her takedowns. I feel like there's more to unpack on the Mackenzie Dern side. I could rip for three minutes in terms of superlatives on Marina Rodriguez and how hard it seems like she hits when you're watching her live and just how technically Good she is. Marcio Malco, her head coach, is is certainly underappreciated. Her fight IQ, her cardio, right? I mean, on and on it goes. She's really, really good, and she's very deferential to the lone woman who beat her, Carla Esparza, by split decision. She wants Carla to get her title shot first, and then Marina maybe feels like she should be in line. But as far as Mackenzie Dern is concerned, I think there were certainly positive signs, right? Uh, her cardio, you know, she draws a lot of confidence from not just her sparring rounds now, but her desire to spar. She's enjoying it. But I think there's a lot of inexperience here, Kenny. And I'm just going to yeah. sort of ask you some questions just based upon the fan. You know, I'm nobody's source when it comes to technical acumen, but it seems like they're spending a lot of time trying to strike their way into takedown range, right? And Jason mm -hmm. Perillo could be heard audibly saying at one point in time late in the fight, if you got enough energy to throw a spinning back fist, then give me the one-two and another one-two to get inside. But I would ask you, should should we be bringing in a Justin Flores for judo or a Daryl Christian for offensive wrestling? And maybe they have these people, right? But it seems to me like if you are going to be a specialist, right? And I'm not saying that she's like a one-trick pony, but it seems like she wants to lean into the Hoist Gracie stuff and lean into being a specialist and feels like that's where she can really strike fear into this division of elite strikers largely with the exception of maybe Carla Esparza. So yeah, why not? And I know it's hard be if you haven't wrestled your whole life, I get it. But to me, I don't know. Like I feel like the focus needs to be on offensive wrestling. She's had like two takedowns in her whole UFC career. She had zero this night, zero takedowns, one submission attempt. Like, I don't know, Ken Flo to me as a fan, I'm thinking she needs to figure out a way to, you know, be more like Damian Maya, wrestling at all costs. Forget the striking for a second. I don't know. That was my takeaway. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, I, I think um, two things. I, I think that, you know, you mentioned Justin Flores, one of the best takedown coaches in the game, uh, you know, as elite as it gets when it comes to judo and wrestling, you know, uh, the way he integrates everything together is, is a thing of beauty. So shout to J-Flow there. But um yeah, I think that would be a great choice um, because there's no question about it. You know, her, her takedown game um, is, is very basic. You know, I, I go back to when I first started. My takedown game was, was horrible. I remember, you know, trying to hump BJ Penn's leg with a single leg, trying to take him down. I didn't know what the hell I was doing really at a high level. Um, so that's going to help. Getting a proper takedown coach like a Justin Flores who's going to help you integrate it into your grappling, that's for sure. But, John, the other thing is this comes down – to really the, the, the martial artists themselves, this comes down to Mackenzie Dern of understanding how she can combine it all together. You have your striking coach, you have your wrestling game, you have your own jiu-jitsu and what you need to do. How do you put it all together? To me, it just seemed like she was really confused. She was only in striking mode or only in takedown mode or only in jiu-jitsu mode. There wasn't this um, – I didn't see – a mixed martial artist out there. Do you, do you know what I mean? And I feel yeah. like she needs to understand how she can integrate it all together for her. And a lot of times, 
you know, you, there's other coaches that can help you with that. But at the end of the day, your best coach is yourself. You are the one who can guide you. And I, I think anyway, so I think it comes down to McKenzie being creative and really feeling the fight and understanding how she can use her striking, not only to be effective from the outside, but how she can close that gap to get to a proper clinch because that's where she was losing this fight. She didn't yeah. know how to do that confidently, effectively, and consistently. Yeah, no, you put it beautifully, and I get so excited for Mackenzie Dern's fights because she is already one of the most credentialed, decorated submission artists in women's UFC history, and she barely started. You know, like Absolutely, dude, and she looked in tremendous shape. I mean, again, this fight, no the doubt, last fight, no doubt. this was the best shape we've seen her. She's on the right track. She has to trust her journey. She has more work to do. I think she can be very marketable, you know, um, and – and, and she's fun to watch when she's at her best, man. Mackenzie is awesome. And I think that she just she's missing those elements. And and, and to me, that just means it takes more time, more diligence, and, and she'll get there. Yeah, I think she'll get there too. Rose Namajunas is the champion in this division. Obviously, she'll defend the belt against Zhang Wei Li, and that is coming up November 6th at UFC 268. Carla Esparza is lurking. All indications are that she will get the winner. She has a head-to-head -head win over Rose Namajunas, so you got to think Namajunas has an appetite for that fight. And then, of course, you have Ioana Jacek, who is the number two-ranked strawweight contender in the world right now and hasn't fought since the Zhang Wei Li fight, a fight that I thought she actually wow. won, right? The forehead yeah, fight. Yeah, I did too. So, Joanna Young Jacek and Marina Rodriguez in a main event makes a shit ton of sense right now. But again, I think that uh, all those women are worthy of title shots right now. All right, Ray Longo coming up in 60 seconds. But when your online checking account balance is running low, the last thing you need is like a $33 overdraft fee. Overdraft fees have gotten totally out of hand. In 2019, Ken Flo, I want to ask you this. How much money do you think traditional banks collected in overdraft fees in 2019? Just a guess. Pro probably a ton. How about eleven know. billion dollars? Billion? Yeah. Chime does things differently, though, folks. Chime is an award-winning application and debit card that has already saved members north of ten billion dollars in overdraft fees with SpotMe fee-free overdraft. Eligible members can overdraft up to two hundred dollars on debit card purchases and cash withdrawals with absolutely no fees. Now you deserve to have financial peace of mind. Join the millions of Americans already loving Chime. The sign-up takes just two minutes. It does not affect your credit score. Get started today at Chime.com slash Florian. That's Chime.com slash Florian. Banking services provided by and debit card issued by the Bancorp Bank or Stride Bank and a members FDIC. Spot me. Eligibility requirements apply. Overdraft only applies to debit card purchases and cash withdrawals. Limits start at $20 and may be increased up to $200 by Chime. Chime member overdraft fee savings based on eligible members and use of Spot Me versus $33 average overdraft fee. Overdraft fee data based on bank rate check and account survey and CRL June 2020 overdraft fees report. All right, let us get to the star of the show. He is Raymond Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Ray Longo, 11.33 a.m. Sorry to keep you waiting. Wow. Good morning. No, it was well worth it because the chime, I'm going to have to sign up because yes. I just had an overdraft because I was waiting for the check for my shirts. Right, right. No, no, and I made a purchase and I freaking went over. So send me okay. the info on chime.com, please. Chime.com. Chime.com slash Florian. Say it again. Chime.com slash Florian. How about that? All right, good. I think that was uh 
nice to see you. We were just talking about Marina Rodriguez and Mackenzie Dern, and I wanted to get some technical thoughts on, on this, and then maybe we'll have a little bit of fun later in the Ray Longo minute. But uh, I don't know, man. For me, I just feel like the focus for Mackenzie Dern after this fight, I'm not a coach, but it should be wrestling. It should be offensive wrestling. It should be any right. means by which to get this fight to the floor because if she can get it there three or four times a fight, I mean, certainly I don't have to tell you guys all it takes is once, but she's got to figure out a way to get this fight down three or four times on her own, and then I think she could potentially be a world champion, but not until she uh, figures out a way to do that. What do you think? Uh, I agree with that. I caught, I caught uh, Kenny's uh, last remarks. I do think, look, I think what that girl has is, is a never quit mentality that we saw the other day, which I love. I love more looking at the mental side. She's, she was going for it. You know, she was outgunned in the stand up, but it, it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't deterring her. You know what I mean? So I, I like that aspect of it. And you're, you're right. You know, she has to look, she has to get a stand up a little better also. So she could get inside and, and get what she wants, but she was, she did have her opportunities to take that fight to the floor and she didn't. So, um, you know, hats off to, uh, you know, Marina for, for doing that uh, good takedown defense, but I think she's on the right track. I mean, I still think she's young and, uh, she's been getting good fights and she's been growing and, uh, yeah, that was a, it was a, it was a good fight, but I think what I, I took out of that fight is she's, she's not going away easy. You know what I mean? She's never going right. to be an easy out. So she's got, I'd still continue that progress with the stand up. Because she's she's willing to throw, but you know her distance is a little off, and you know sometimes when you don't have the experience, you get frozen a little bit, right? The girl's throwing yeah. the jab, and she's throwing some offense that you have to see that shit over and over and over again to yes. you know to be able to get in. So I think it's just a time thing. I think that's what Kenny maybe was alluding to, but I agree with that. I think she's got the components to do it. Now she's just got to get in the gym, and you know. Uh, and do it the right way. And, and again, the wrestling thing, a hundred percent, but you know, yeah. look, these, there's a lot of fights you look at. They're easy from the outside. You don't have to be a genius to know what to correct, you know, but the, the person's got to be willing to go back in there and do it. I mean, I, I still know guys that, you know, lost fights on, you know, takedowns that, that, that they're not putting the time in. They just, yeah. they, you know, they, everybody right. goes back to what they love to do. You know, she right. might be on the floor rolling every day because her jujitsu is, awesome and that's what she likes to do but she has to be forced into doing that yeah uh well all really indications are the next level is working hard and, and and putting in a lot of the right work but i think you yeah. guys both touched on the inexperience and she's five or six years younger than marina rodriguez so right. mackenzie dern has time firmly on right. her side I, and I, hey, you always talk hang on you always talk about you know a coach and how much time they spend with with a pupil when do you think she and jason prillo first started working together right let me ask you that no, I think it was. I don't. I think it was pretty recent. Yeah, September two thousand twenty. So they've only had a year together. Right. They've had wild success and they've had a lot of fights, yes, but I, only I think, a year of developmental time together. So. Yeah, I think he's done a great job with it. And I like again, she's young, and she she's showing that she has the willingness to to improve and to take chances. And that's what I that's what I like about her. She, I, I, I do think, I do think she'll be a champ someday. All right. You heard it here first, Cody. Cut that up when Mackenzie Dern becomes a champion. On the other side, Marina Rodriguez. Kenny, I'll start with you on this. I guess I don't know if I'm asking you if her ceiling is championship as much as I'm asking you how you think she stacks up with the rest of these elite strawweights. You know, I think there are easier matchups, for lack of a better word, than Mackenzie Dern, right? Like, 
I'm not, you know, Rose, I don't think is one of them, but I do think for Marina, given her style, there might be easier matchups. Carla might be the most difficult one. How do you think, Flo? And then I'll hear from Ray. Marina stacks up with the likes of Nama Yunus, Zhang Wei Li, Joanna, Carla Esparza, and Jan Shana. Well, it depends. I, I think striking wise, I, I give her a shot. You know, there's no question about it. You know, is, is she at the level uh, of a Ioana quite yet? Potentially, she has a very similar style. Um, I think Rose and um, you know Zhang Wei Li are still at a, a little bit, you know, maybe a, a head above, perhaps. But you know, her matchup against Carla Esparza, that that's always going to be a tough one because she's just not a grappler. Carla is a takedown expert. You know exactly what she's going to do. It's tough to stop it. And I think we saw that she is vulnerable against grapplers. She actually had one, you know, uh, choke that was really tight on Mackenzie. It seemed, but other than that, positionally, she has a lot of work to do. She's got to get her wrestling in order. She's got to get her jiu-jitsu to a higher level, and she's able to do that. She has some time to to build on that she and improve her weakness. She could be, a, a, you know, a champion. There's no question about it. She's got the toughness. She has the conditioning. She's a, a, a true pro. Um, I think her striking's already at a very high level, um, and so I think she's knocking on that door. No question about it. She passed a really difficult test, obviously, this weekend, Ray. She's like 15-1-2, only loss, of course, to Carla by split decision. Yeah. couple draws in the UFC, not necessarily full of power um, on the feet, but uh, what, what do you think of Marina and, and how far she can go? No, I think she's uh, – I'm going to – again, I'm going to agree with Kenny. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I like this fight for her because, look – when you know somebody can get you on the floor and submit you, that causes a hesitation, right? You might freeze up a little bit, but she really did. She survived that second round at the end, um, which I actually missed because I was at a wedding. So I, I got right up until like the last 20 seconds of that round. and then I had to go you back dance, and watch the fight. you dance at the wedding or no? I got a bad hip. My hip's killing me, but uh, I'm good with the slow dances, John. So you did <laughs> slow dance with your wife at the wedding? Yeah, slow dance, stick my tongue. And how in was that? Was that good? <laughs> uh, no, that no, wasn't good. No, because you'd <laughs> no, rather was, be sitting there, right? A, you did it for her, right? Oh, a hundred percent, right? A hundred percent. I for her. I understand. I owed her this one. This was like a was out in Montauk, so we were out well, there. Because I know you don't drink, so yeah. Well, I had a couple of drinks. You did. <laughs> what you have? What you have? I, I'm a great goose on All the right. road type All of guy. Right. Good to know. know. But uh, bad hip. Ken Flo's fucking stretching out his back during the Ray Longo minute. (laughs) I actually feel okay today. I'm never get tomorrow. So, did either of you catch the Kenny Florian shout out on the broadcast this week? I I heard it. I I heard about it. I missed it because I I joined late. My brother, my brother did. My brother Mike. Uh, right. I, I, I guess you were comparing it to the Sean Shirk fight, right? Is that was that was yes. that what happened? And shout out to blood. shout wow. out to my producer Zach Candido for reminding me of it in that moment, and then uh, <laughs> and then we were able to work it in there. But I'm glad that uh, you know, always I'm glad I'm not persona buckets. non grata on the on the broadcast that I, uh, my name is yeah. still not on a list that I can't. So not, Zach, at all. Zach, not at all. Wait, so you're saying John Zach is actually allowed to mention his name on the broadcast? <laughs> Without yeah. losing his job, yeah, he exactly. I'm happy about that. That's pretty good because I'll tell you, yeah, if Zach Candido would have mentioned Ariel Hawani, everybody would have got thrown out. Well, Kenny <laughs> told us, Shout to we Zach. Were, what's up when we were when we were doing MMA live in 2007, 8, 9, whatever? Um, Kenny told us a story about the Sean Shirk fight that he was tasting rust and iron 
for a long time after the fight. So that was what we said. So, no, and I'm fine. glad that Mike Florian Delicious. heard it. Um, yeah. So it, it, Kenny, you were really impressed with Randy Brown and, uh, he obviously was dude. none too thrilled with Jared Gooden coming in at 174 pounds and, you know, Jared Gooden walking to the scale, you know, last guy to weigh in or second to last Mackenzie Durham was last, but you know, Jared Gooden, not, not, not struggling walking to the scale. You know what I mean? So some bad aesthetics, some bad visuals for Randy Brown. The guy comes in at 174 pounds and forfeits maybe 20% of a $12,000 purse. You know how it goes, but Ken Flo, Randy Brown is is a five-tool player. He's got a great frame for this division. Um, he's humble. He's coachable. He's doing the right things in terms of getting different looks in his training. Uh, he he did get a shot against Vicente Luque last year in the top 15, but I think now he's he's really ready to make that run. What do you think? Ray and I have been telling you, watch out for Randy Brown. Go tell your friends he's a damn problem at 170 pounds. It seems like he's come to find his style and know who he is as a fighter. That was evident, I think, in his last fight. He was just comfortable. He was relaxed. He was loose. To me, that's a sign of a fighter that's really coming into his own and is aware of himself and what he brings into the octagon. Um, and I just thought it was an amazing performance against a, a dude in Gooden who is tough as oh. nails. And what do you got to do to knock that guy out? Um, the stance switches, the slipping and ripping, you know, he was moving extremely well. He fights well going forwards. He fights well going backwards. Um, his boxing is kicking, you know, dealing with that dislocated toe, all that stuff. Nothing was going to deter him, deter him from getting that win that night. That's what it seemed like. It seemed yep. like it doesn't matter what you were trying to do to that kid. He was going to get the win. He looked comfortable. Um, and yeah, he, he's a problem, dude. It, it was a, it was a beautiful fight to watch and a, a credit to Gooden as well, uh, who really brought it and was not backing yeah. down. I think a lot of inferior fighters would have gone down a few times during that fight. Yeah, no, he, but he, he looked, look, he looked phenomenal. Uh, I think he's always looked phenomenal, but I think, you know, mentally he is coming into himself. The confidence yeah. is what, what the key was. I don't know if he had the confidence because look, I've seen him in the gym a couple of years ago. He's huge and he's got great tools, man. He really does. So it's, yeah. it, you know, you could have that, not have the belief in yourself. It's not going to get you far, but yeah. now it looks like he's starting to have the belief in himself and just, uh, you're right. His, his boxing his his footwork, the movement, uh, long, the kicks, I mean, if you're a new guy having to face him, that's a freaking nightmare. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he, you know, if when you get chances to have good growing fights, it makes a big difference, right? So the UFC, I mean, the matchmakers could kill you or they could help you. Uh, and this was a great fight for him to grow, and I think that's going to make him that much better. Yeah. And uh, give him a, give him another shot at a at a at a, at a top fifteen guy now and see what happens because. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to be too repetitive because I know a lot of our listeners and viewers did watch the broadcast. But, you know, Randy's dad has been incarcerated for the last 28 years and he was able to watch him fight live for the first time. Ken Flo sort of dovetails with your point like he was just not going to be denied on this evening, whether it was going to be his toe injury or any other variable getting in the way. It was not going to deter him. Um, and I do think Jared Gooden will be heard from. Got to get the weight issues intact. But uh, what a chin on that guy, you know. Oh, um, and I do also want to say about Randy Brown, you know, his head coach, Nardu Debra, not unlike Marcio Malco from Marina Rodriguez, doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. But uh, allowing Randy to go to King's MMA and some of these other places get some different looks. And Randy said he came back just encouraged as to how he stacks up 
you know, when you talk about a lot of the elite guys under Rafael Cordero's roof that that obviously welcomed in Randy Brown and he felt like he stacked up pretty well. So I'm excited to see how they uh, they match make him moving forward. Um, I do want to hit on a few other performances from this UFC fight night before I get to my conversation with uh, Nevada State Athletic Commissioner Jeff Mullen on the Kyle Dawkins Kevin Holland situation. Um, Ken Flo, I know you really enjoyed Matthews, Nicolau, and Tim Elliott, but I want to talk about Maria Agapova. Did anybody see that fight against Sabina Mazo? I did not. I missed it. Maria Agapova, now training exclusively at American Top Team Sunrise under Roger Crawl. There have been some interesting things happening at American Top Team, um, Hmm. and there are more restrictions in terms of which coaches and athletes can come and when they can come. So, just two on this card, right? Charles Rosa, the longtime American top team staple, and Maria Agapova are no longer training at Coconut Creek, Florida at all. And I don't know if that's because oh. of – anyway. So yeah. Roger Crawl is with Maria Agapova, and the big focus was was patience and not going crazy. And it was just a striking clinic, and then she choked her out in a second. Ken Flo, that's actually one you should go back and watch. But 100%. since you did the flyweights um, – you know, I know James Krause, um, who's going to be on our podcast here coming up in a few weeks, and we're very excited to have him. Um, James Krause thought Tim Elliott beat Nicolau. I did not. Um, I thought Nicolau won the last two rounds. Kenny, what did you think of the feature bout at flyweight, flyweight there? You know, we're, we're talking about a lot of guys that, that don't get enough credit. I think Team Novu Niao is one of those teams that don't get enough credit for the level of talent that they've produced. Um, and it sounds silly, right? I mean, they're a team that produced Jose Aldo, but still, you know, I, I think they're a team that really stresses mastering the basics, right? But then there's a sophistication to what they do. Um, and I think a lot of these intelligent fighters that are well-schooled, they know how to make adjustments mid-fight. And that really was the difference to me. 100%. And, you know, I, I, unfortunately, I, I disagree with James Krause as well. I, I thought Tim Elliott showed a lot of heart. Um, he showed a lot of skill. He was right there with him, but to me, he didn't win the fight. He won the first round for sure. Yeah. Second, uh, it was Matthews and Nicolau that was pulling away. And in the third, again, uh, Nicolau won that won that round as well. So, um, uh, yeah, I was just really impressed with uh, the maturity of, of Nicolau. I was, I was impressed with his striking, of course. His takedown game, both offensively and defensively, I think was the difference here against Tim Elliott, who was a very confusing guy to fight. I mean... Not a lot of people can just adjust to a, a weird, awkward style like a Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott is an excellent fighter who had a lot of momentum heading into this fight, but Nicolau found a way. He found his adjustments. It looked like it wasn't going to go that way. It looked like he was just co- totally confused in that first round. So to switch it around and yeah. come back and do what he did, to me, just really wowed me, and, and I was just super impressed by that performance. Great fight by both yeah. of them. Yeah, I think the worst part of that fight uh, for me, because I, I, I think Nikolai won also. I think Tim Elliott gave away the fight. I think that's the problem. You could yeah. see that Tim Elliott was the more talented guy at, at spots, right? I mean, he definitely is tricky. He's been in the game a long time, but it's almost works against him. He gets too, he almost looked like sparring partner syndrome, like where there was no urgency, where the other yeah. guy was showing urgency after the first round to come back. I think Tim Elliott goes back and James Krause. And Tim Elliott kicks himself in the head. I think he gave that fight away uh, just by, like, almost being too comfortable. You know what I mean? Like, again, it, it just looked like sparring partner syndrome to me. He wasn't yeah. He wasn't going for it where the other guy stayed focused. He started attacking the liver. I think he had a couple of good body shots. Yeah, right. And uh, 
he was the guy that looked like he was pushing forward and winning to me. So it was a very, it was a close fight though. Uh, But again, the worst thing for me is it looked like it could have been an easy fight for Tim Elliott. And somehow that went South. And that's, what's got to be addressed is that you got to stop fucking around and just go for it. Cause the kid definitely has talent. He's got good coaching over there. So I think, I think in hindsight, even though they, they think he won and they have that right because it was a close fight. I think they have to concentrate on why didn't why wasn't it a blowout like the first round? That's what I would be looking at. Yeah. I mean, the guy did make some adjustments, but not that many adjustments. I think the other guy got way too comfortable, and he thought he was winning, and that's what and that was good enough for him, and that's why he lost the fight to me. Yeah, and James Krause has since posted on Instagram. Not that he's necessarily, you know, owning his reaction after the fact because I yeah. think there's a lot of emotion involved, but. Yeah. Uh, He's certainly using this as an opportunity to grow as as a head coach. And I will sort of to piggyback upon what Kenny was saying about Nova Unyao, Matthews Nicolau, right? He's had two huge layoffs in his career because of injury and other things, right? He values developmental time to such an extent. That's why he had all this time off after the Manel Cop fight, which, by the way, was another fight in which he made great adjustments and another close fight that I thought he won. He leaves no stone unturned when it comes to his training. You know, he went to Jackson Wink in Albuquerque, New Mexico, way back when, when he was just a kid. You know, Eduardo Alonso's in his corner. He's worked a lot at Damian Maya's gym, Nova Unyao. Like, you're absolutely right, Kenny. And it's amazing to me how often, and I know people think I kiss your ass, Kenny, but it's amazing to me how often you pick up on things when you're not, like, it's like you're not even there, right? And you're picking up on all these things that, like, are part of my fabric and my preparation. Like, your intuition, um, if I had half of it, you know, I wouldn't have to work nearly as hard. You know, it's like you were there during fight week. Honestly, when you pick up on things thematically, it's pretty uh, incredible. Um, uh, I, um, I, again, you know, just just for for Matthews, I, I think he's someone to watch in that division. And, and again, you know, we talk about it a lot, but 135 pounds. I mean, they're just it, it's it, they're a bunch of killers. I mean, the talent level at 135 pounds. It's just stupid, uh, you know, yeah. so good luck, you know, just cracking the top 15, let alone getting the top five or, you know, getting a title shot. Um, it, it's amazing the level uh, of that weight class these days. And um, but I yeah. do think that uh, Nikolau is going to be one of those guys who's going to continue to climb the rankings. Watch out for him. He's very consistent and I think he'll only get better. And that's one of those fights where he learned a lot. I mean, fight, I like it. I pick up yeah. a lot. Oh, no yeah. doubt. Pain in the ass to fight. Not well, only yeah, I think that guy's Karen, you're very happy to have that fight behind you. Real quick, this from uh, at the James Krause. I made a huge coaching error tonight that I'm sure is going to haunt me for some time to come. Going into the third, I thought for 100% sure we took rounds one and two, regardless of if that was true or not. I should have pushed him to work up in the third, and I didn't win, lose, or draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. good stuff from James Krause, who uh, yeah, I won think my every- 2020 Anakin Florian podcast AFPA for Coach of the Year. Go ahead, Ray. I think I think uh, Krause is a, a young guy who's got a great – I mean, he's already done great things in the sport. But the fact that he even posted that I think is a great sign that he'll he'll evolve. And, then, and you know, Elliot, again, I think he's got – you know, like, again, he's got all the tools. He's been around forever fought for the title, right? Didn't he fight Demetrius Johnson? Almost had yep. him in trouble at the beginning. but he's, And that was early in the fight, too. So I think he's got to concentrate on staying focused for three rounds. I think yeah. he gets off a little bit, and that's what we saw. But I think Krause could make that adjustment easy with him. All right, two other things that I have to get to with you, and then if you have any local, regional guys that oh, you want to shout out, by all means. We're going to do that in a minute. We're going to do that in a minute. I know how much you love that. That's the kick. You love it. All right. First thing I have for you today, 
on a regular Monday, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, I'm texting Ray. Hey, are you good? 1130 a.m. Eastern. It's like I've texted you 300 and fucking 19 straight Mondays. Like, so a regular yeah. Monday for you obviously includes this podcast for the last six yes. and a half years. Right. Yeah. So when is your first obligation on a Monday that isn't this show? Like, do you have a, a lesson at one o'clock? Like, when would your day start if you didn't have to wake up for this show? Well, one o'clock. One, what happens at one? I, I start teaching. I do a couple okay. of private All lessons right. and I work out. So from, what if someone uh, wants a private Monday at 9 a.m.? They can't get that, right? Because you're sleeping. Uh, that? That's not happening. Okay. All right. I start laughing. When they ask me, that, I start giggling. Yeah. Right. Well, I have good news. <laughs> I have good news. We're pushing the showtime back beginning in November, a full hour. So Wow. Yeah. That's so perfect. I don't know if it'll affect your commute. Are you home right now? Yes. You, would you like to go slow dance with your wife? We could put a no. Uh, that would be a negative. Okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, I just I feel I think there are a lot of husbands out there at, at weddings and like you know just waiting for that wife to come over and be like you know you gonna dance? No, I'm not gonna fucking dance, honey. Would you like a divorce? <laughs> uh, All right. It's been going on for years. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to a wedding with my wife for the first time in a long time in November of 2022, if this wonderful couple decides to invite us. And I already got to lay the foundation. It's like, I, I don't know if there are enough recreational drugs and whiskey in the world to get me to get up on the dance floor with you, honey. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, you, well, you, you like, could go. About that. Wait, well, you, what about the slow dancing? You could do that, right? Yeah, I'm more of a fast dance guy, you know. I oh, went to John's wedding. This guy can dance. He's he's full of I, shit. I, I, he, he can, can dance. Well, yeah. a lot of Him and his brother can dance. I've well. seen it. Wow. Wow. I can't fucking twerk, Cody. No, I can't. <laughs> Moves like Cruz, yeah. Um. All right, my second thing with you. So my man Jeff Mullen, former executive director of the Tennessee State Athletic Commission and now chief assistant to Bob Bennett for the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So I walked right up to him. Uh, 7.50 a.m. Pacific on Friday morning. I was like, Jeff, I got to talk to you about that. You know, um, what the fuck happened with Kyle? Du no, um, I just got some clarity. You're, oh, you're wow. right in so far as I didn't get a ton of clarity, okay? But I basically said to him everything I said on the podcast. And, you know, he didn't necessarily have a direct answer when I said Dan Mergliata could be seen saying just leave it the way it is. And then he yeah. walked back. No, he's there. But, yeah, but I, he I did say... Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you because everybody's jumping on me with that. But I did. Th I think Dan said, I'm I am going to leave it the way it is. Not yes. that I think I think I'm going to yes. leave it the way it is. Yes. Yeah. Let's leave it the way it is. Yes. Yeah. So but basically what I was able to find out, because, again, for me, part of the reason I was soliciting information is because I had to call the fights the next day and I wanted to know where the power resides. So. Maybe this will fall on deaf ears, but without question, the power still resides with the referee. So Dan Mergliata can override the collective, the review official that they call the RO. So to me, that's not necessarily what happened, but I have to take the commissioner at his word that that's what happened. You know, Herb Dean laid out the options and Dan Mergliata seemingly reversed course. So. I have that for you, um, but the power resides with the referee, and I think a more convicted official, and I say that with respect to Dan Mergliata, whom I really like, but I think a more convicted official who can be seen audibly saying, just leave it the way it is, doesn't then reverse course. He leaves it the way it is, and obviously that's not what happened here. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what you just said because – that doesn't clear up anything, but, but my well, I didn't know a week ago like if Mark I still had the power because it looked like the yeah. RO had the power. That's all. What, the but RO? 
What do you mean, the New York? The review the official. official. Yeah, the, 100%. Has you the power. Anything. Of course they do. All right. They convinced him to change that decision. You I saw agree. it. I agree. You actually saw it. They, they Look, it's smoke and mirrors, right? The ref, he did. He made his decision. And then they told him it was the wrong decision. Are right. we, we going to go through this again? Like with it's right. No, I I'm just saying that that now if that were to play out on a broadcast that way, I could then say to the audience, you know, I've been told in no uncertain terms that the power resides the, with the referee, but it sure looks to me like it didn't in this instance. It seemed like the review officials sort of, you know, had the persuasive ability ability to, no, to wield yeah. the power. No, they'll they'll correct that though. You know, they'll turn off the microphones. You know, they'll make sure nobody can hear it. That's how they're going to correct it. They're not going to correct it the right way. They're going to correct it by uh, Herb. Stop whispering in his ear. Let's uh, <laughs> let's see if we could keep Sean Shelby in his seat so he doesn't get involved. I mean, everybody, involved. yeah, everybody, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. the guy said, I'm, "I'm keeping it the way it is." Uh, Dan, you're wrong. Yeah. Okay, I'll change it. I mean, that's that's really what happened. You yeah. know, like. Dan, I think you should do this. Okay, that's what I'll do. He didn't. We have a uh, argument. It wasn't like no, but look at this. This is the way I think it should. I don't so, know. I'm just a fan. First, Kenny knows that. Yeah. So the Dawkins brothers are going to be on the Anakin Florin podcast next week. Both Chris and Kyle together, just so that I can look Kyle in the eye and say, <laughs> "Dude, you got fucking hosed." Just, I just want to hear what he's going to say. I know the fans get mad when I say he got hosed, and and you know how much I care at 43 years of age, but I'm just, I want to look him in the eye and, and hear what he has to say about this. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't, it, John, I don't know if he got hosed because like, again, there was, that was a vicious head, accidental headbutt, but it was enough to change the course of that fight. It was unfortunate. So I don't know about getting hosed. He got hosed as far as the fight continuing and then getting it taken away from him. But if Dan would have stopped that fight at the headbutt, and giving that guy a chance to recover and then restart it, who knows what would have happened. But sure. he got sure. hosed on the after. He didn't get – there wasn't a – it was a foul, and it was accidental, but yeah. that was a vicious headbutt. The guy did go out, <clears throat> and from that point on, I think anything goes. And I'm sure that's not the way Kyle wants to submit it. I, 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 I think he does, yeah. Anyway, think, did you watch uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? I missed that fight. I heard it was oh, great. Man. Yeah. I missed it. I was flying back, but I was able to uh, to watch it after the fact. And uh, I don't know, man. Boxing, when it hits, man, it's just yeah, incredible. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. It's, uh, it's just a, I can't even describe it. You know, I really can't describe, Kenny, what, what it's like to, to cover a big boxing pay-per-view in Las Vegas and have the fight actually deliver. Now, I have a list of fights that I covered, and unfortunately, I think – towards the end of my career as a boxing journalist, most of the fights I covered did not deliver, you know, I mean, I went mm -hmm. to some real stinkers, right. but, um, in the, in the days of Marco Antonio Barrera and Eric Ooh. Morales and Manny Pacquiao, those were the Amazing fights I was fights. covering. It was like, you know, and I'm still trying to like find that, you know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you never, I don't think you're ever going to find that depth, but, uh, when the, like you say, when they hit though, those big, the heavyweights, especially yeah, it's huge. And that, I mean, I saw clips, but I didn't see the fight, but, Seem like a phenomenal fight. What I mean, everybody wants. Like Mayweather down. and uh, Ricky Hatton, December yes. eighth, two thousand seven. Wow, nice. That was a good. That was a good fight. Thirty eight and zero versus forty three and zero. Very memorable because Burt Sugar told Check me to bet on Floyd. Yeah, Burt Sugar told me to bet uh, 
Floyd Mayweather by round 10 knockout on our mouthpiece boxing show. So I went and bet it because uh, I didn't have a document preventing me from betting on boxing. And uh, we hit the 10th round. TKO. Wow. Um, yeah. All right, Ray. Um, so uh, how did it go on the regional scene last weekend and who's competing this weekend? Well, this weekend we got uh, we got Steve, the manager, Lee. You know, one of my favorite people. Wow, Steve Lee is accruing a lot of experience during he's, this. He's event, trying to get as much sure experience. Is. I'm gonna I'm gonna forget somebody, but Anthony Delemi's fighting. Uh, my girl uh, Jenny Nadell is uh, <clears throat> fighting a kickboxing match. Oh wow, you got a um, lot of really happy a lot for of people her. near and dear to you are competing. Oh yeah, you. yeah, there's a big weekend. Diana Carabas, and I hope, man, I hope that's it. I'm trying to think of the boy. Right. Um, and then next week we head out to the. Uh, Tropicana for the ring of combat. We got a couple of title fights on the regional circuit that these guys are a hundred percent going to deliver. So I think, uh, oh, man. oh, and let me, I almost forgot. We also have, uh, uh, Nazim, uh, Nas fighting on, uh, he's out in a show in Texas, Houston, I believe this weekend too. So, uh, people are all over the place. There's a lot of fights coming up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, it's a good good vibe at the gym, man. Last night was good. Great, great sparring, great group of guys, and uh, everybody's pulling. You know, everybody's got each other's backs. Just a good good energy in the gym. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited. Wait, one thing I want to mention last week, too, is I, I happened to watch the show with your brother and uh, Bilal. That oh, was, remember the show. I was It was pretty cool. Your brother, I swear to God, I thought it was you. I can't get old yeah. Denny. But I, I think he's very, very, very knowledgeable. I didn't realize he was into the sport this much. He seems like he had a lot of stuff even at his fingertips. You know what I mean? Like he was. Yeah, he watches. Him, he watches more than I do. You know. I, um, I'm, you could, I'm not. It just was. It was crazy. And he had on Giger and uh, Marab. That's why I turned right. it on. Well, actually, yeah. they were was, trying to have it be you versus Marab, as you well know. But you weren't available on that Thursday night, yeah. and what a coup that they were able to get Giga Chikadze. Um, but they want to have you on and. They were yeah. humbled by your praise, obviously. And and if you don't know, yes, I am a true monozygotic twin, a yeah. real identical twin, one placenta, same DNA. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I think for people like you who see and hear him for the first time. Unbelievable. Like, wow. Yeah. But I was even just impressed with his uh, his acumen with the with, with MMA. Man, it was crazy. And the way he speaks is speaks well. And uh, they had that thing was funny with Marab because, you know, he doesn't yeah. really get the English too much. So. The first fight when they 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 say you got to say bully, and then they put up nicknames and they put raging and Marab's just standing there. And I'm like, well, this guy's got to be kidding me. <laughs> right. But he didn't, you know, he didn't really know the rules, and right. it, it was pretty funny. Those guys were entertaining for sure. Well, certainly Giga Chikadze is fluent in English, and I told my brother before the show yeah. with Marab, he speaks English. I think better than he understands it. So less is more in terms of talk. That's been my, I said, yeah. less is more in terms of what you give to him. Is that not yeah. true? I would, I I would like, you know, I think when you're in front of him, like when you're having a conversation, when you're with him, yeah. you know, you can take the time and explain and there's facial expressions. And I think right. it helps out a lot. I think when you do like a, a phone conversation with him, it's totally different. And yeah. even something like, you know, Skype or zoom, I think is a little different. Cause I mean, he's, but he is way better. Yeah, he a hundred percent understands everything when he when he gets it. Like you know what I'm saying. Like it, it took him time. It took him one or two times, but he got the bully thing. But the first one, it it, yeah, took, it, it, it did take a mistake to get it. But then once yeah. he had it, he was fine. So he he does get it. But it, it's just 
they're both really good guys. And, to, you know, just oh. see those guys in a setting like that, I thought was great. Yeah. No, it was great. Georgia versus Georgia. Well, remember, the show is on this very Anakin Florian podcast YouTube channel live every Thursday night. Uh, Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik will be back this week. They want to get both of you guys on, maybe against each other. So uh, got to make that happen. Well, uh, Ray, I, if you don't have anything else. Yeah, I could tell you right now I'm losing. I, I, I don't think I got one right. I got raging out. That was about it. Yeah, I was actually fearful going into my head-to-head matchup with Platinum Mike Perry, and uh, I got out to a huge lead, and then he came roaring back, and I was, uh, wow. I was not in a good place, but we were able to hold on for the win. So one to know on Remember the Show. Um, but thanks for the calm words about my bro. You know, he works hard. He preps, you know, which probably yeah, – no, you, could, you could see it. It, it. it comes through. You could 100% right. see it, yeah. Well, hey, you know, this channel has gotten work for a lot of people out there. So, uh, Oh, yeah, sure. Jason, hey, uh, Ray, have a uh, have a great day and a better evening, huh? Thanks for your time right. as always. And, uh, and when do we show start? Back an hour, beginning in November. Oh, so, oh yeah. beginning November. So we still well, got – We'll our- have to talk to you to make sure that uh, – you know, it dovetails with your schedule, you know, because we want to make sure that at 1 p.m. you're ready for the Jenny Nadells of the world and Nas. Yes, so Nassim. Important. If you can say Nassim's last name right now, I'll give you 100 bucks. Just try. <laughs> He's your fighter. He's your fighter. Everybody's got a nickname in the gym. All right. What's Marab's last name? Can you pronounce that? Shelley. No. <laughs> try again. Shelley. <laughs> So, I know. I thought he got kicked off. Yeah. That yeah what's his last name? Smarty Pants. <laughs> so the with Smarty Pants. I just have a file on my phone. He's your fighter. He's your fighter. Uh, the V's are pronounced as W's, so it's Dwalish Willie. Dwalish Shelley. What? <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. That's great. So, so the what other what are hey, the L's pronounced as? I don't know. There's no Shelly in there. Hey, do you, <laughs> think extra, do you think extra rounds would have hired you without your work on this podcast? Do you think UFC Unfiltered would have hired you uh, as a replacement host without the Anakin Florian podcast? Room? I got no idea. I'm just surprised I'm still here, to be honest. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Hopefully you take our call next Monday. Hopefully you take our call next Monday. Um, thank you, Ray. Cody, can you right. get him out of here, please? Thank you. <laughs> He's the best. He's the yeah, best. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I, I knew you were going to call him out. I was like, you're going to call him out on the last name thing. And you finally did. That's well, hilarious. notice how I let it go. And yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it came around again. Well, he only says first names. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like he wants nothing more than to plug the local guys, and then he gets anxiety because he doesn't know their names. He's so excited when it's like, yeah, Steve Lee. You know, everybody can't yeah. be Steve Lee. You know, how yeah. easy that is pr- to pronounce. You know, Anthony right. Delemi, you know, yeah. who I keep cornered Aljo, you know. He could drop a Delemi on you, you know. But if you were not <laughs> born in the United States, forget about it. Or you know. Italy. Yeah, yeah, right. Or Italy. Yeah. Um, all right. It's time for the pronunciation of the week as we call on our executive producer, Cody Merrow, and we will soon get to the main event challenge, but not before we welcome in Cody, fresh from a family wedding trip to New Hampshire. We congratulate your sister. You heard for you. certain a little bit quick turn for you after uh, after the travel. Oh, I'm good to go. And hey, John, if L's are pronounced as W's, then Ray Longo fight team hasn't had any L's. So <laughs> all, right. all right. There you go. Let's go. Look at that. Hey, shirt. Ah, yes. What is that shirt? Uh, are those so available? Pod boys, for- yeah, available in the store. 
with the pet boys? Is that a play on? Yeah. Yep. Brilliant. Yeah. Is that how do I get, how do I get me yeah. one of them? Yeah. And the purple one looks like, um, Steve Harvey. So I can't really use any of the darker ones, <laughs> Yeah, but that's I think hilarious. it looks the Kenny one is just look how attractive that guy is. Yeah, look I at know. that. Wow. Yeah, look at that great. Those beady little eyes. Wow. Yeah. But so anyway, John, I won't take up a lot of your time. The fighter you're gonna ask for well, is hang on. Let me just ref- well, hang on a second, because I have oh, well, a little setup here. I mean, I'm I know you have the executive show, you know? privileges. Like, Why? Because our because our guest has been waiting nine minutes, you know? Yeah, you know. All right. This man faces Brandon Davis as part of the prelim portion this Saturday on ESPN plus good to see Mississippi's Brandon Davis back in the UFC. But the fighter we need, Cody, is a Mongolian Bantamweight who has won two in a row. Nicknamed Storm. Who is he? Dana Batgari. All right. Let's hear. Dana Batgari. Whoa. Dana Batgari. Excuse me? I can't roll my R, so. Oh, what do you want? That's a tough one, right, Kenny? You glad he doesn't? You're glad he doesn't fight in the in the in the Premier Fighters League. I'm, tap, huh? I'm tapping, dude. All right, I'm tapping. So, out. Cody, it was close, right? If I was really to nitpick, you got no. I'll give you the point. I'll give you the point. You should have heard a gobble on the post fight show. That's all I'll say. Syllabically, your emphasis was perfect on Dana Bot Gary. It's not bat like baseball bat though. It's bot. So bot. it's more like bot mitzvah than baseball bat. So it's Dana Bot. Can you roll your R's? Could you, could you like really? Bot Throw Getty. fancy on him Bot if you Getty. had to. Bot Giddy. Okay. Paper, Getty, pay-per-view yeah. baggery is going to be really impressive. But I have way, a test for you guys. So I, I had a pronunciation of the week at the wedding, to be honest. So, so I had to are get you up. giving him the point? Are you giving him the point, John, or what? I was going to give him the point. I mean, he's, you know, he's five and 11 or whatever. Okay. To, you know, would you like to hold back the point, Kenny? No, I I, I don't. <laughs> I, mean, I can't hear. I couldn't really hear his pronunciation of it. Like it's you're 45 years old, Kenny. Man. I don't know. What I know. Telling. I know. It's the ears. We are cool. so much closer to 50 than 30. It's disgusting. Dude, know? I was with remember. Paul Felder this weekend. He's like, I can't. We were talking about you competing, you know, because president <laughs> of Team Florida. I'm always fucking pushing my agenda. And Felder's like, I can't believe Ken Flo's 45. And I was like, dude, well, I'm 43. And he's like, yeah, but Kenny's a fighter. I'm like, fuck you, Dad. That's <laughs> like dog years. You got to multiply yeah, by right. seven or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm 28. My sister just got married. Crazy. I had to have a pronunciation of the week at the wedding. So, John, I tried to follow your advice. Practice, practice, practice. Right. So this name is what I had to say. So I'd like you guys to just take a stab at it. All right. So uh, if you are only listening, it is spelled O-B-E-R-G-E-F-E-L-L. Um, so I will say Obergefell. Kenny? I would have said Obergefell as well. Yeah, and that's what I said in the 15 times rehearsing it. But then when I got up to say it, of course, I went, just straight mush mouth when I'm trying to say it. The rest of it was perfect. But So are you saying we both just got it right? Oh yeah, oh, and then oh, so, get so the if fuck you, out of you, here, man! Can I go get your burger, pal? Two and zero for the paid broadcasters on the show. <laughs> See how good a sport Cody is for the sake of the show. He just gets himself right out of the room. No he fucking does. Email. I love that kid. <laughs> Lifeblood of the show. Absolutely love that kid. Show would not be. By the way, too, if anybody wants to follow Cody Merrill on social media or at Anna Florian Pod, honestly, if you appreciate this content, that will be free for the rest of your lives. Um, or the rest of our lives, I should say, because we're very close right. to 50. Um, Cody is the reason this show is is going as strong as we humbly believe it is. Cody's so the I, I just want to say that. Um, all right. 
Let's make some picks. Time for the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And it. The time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Yeah, that got a little bit out of hand. But joining us to make picks today from fightfreaks.co, Nathan Phillips on social media. You can find him at Nate Phillips MMA. Good to have you with us, my man. So where do you live exactly? I'm in Oklahoma City now. I was in California for about a year, but just moved back. This is where I'm originally from. Okay. So do yeah. you watch like all 41 of these live events? Like how does how does your MMA viewership, I mean, are you like watching seven hours, 41 Saturdays a year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't miss a second, and and it gets worse than that. You know, there's the press conferences, the you know the media shows, you name it. If I can get my hands on it, I'm watching it. It's it's pretty bad. You watch the PFL and Bellator and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I do miss some of those occasionally, but if I've got you know the time, I'm watching those too. Right. You know, if you miss some of those occasionally, it's fine. You know, as long as you watch. I'm just kidding. All right. So, um, three picks for us today. We will begin at middleweight. Julian Marquez, minus 225. Jordan Wright, plus 185. So Marquez has won two in a row with as many bonuses bonuses since he returned from a near three-year layoff. Never been finished as a pro, uh, but he draws a guy here who has a lot of violent finishes on his resume. The Beverly Hills Ninja, Jordan Wright, well-trained under Anthony Hardonk and Vladimir Matyushenko, the janitor. Uh, Nate, who do you have here? Marquez favored over Jordan Wright. Uh, you know, this fight's a little bit of a sleeper to me. I think they could actually have some potential for a fight in the night here. Uh, when I look at it, I see a couple of glaring things. Uh, number one, Jordan Wright is the more dynamic striker, uh, as far as variety of shots he can throw and, uh, angles from which he can throw them. I think he's going to have a considerable speed advantage. Uh, Marquez, on the other hand, he kind of tends to get lit up early in his fights and then come back to win. Um, I think this fight will be the same. I, you know, he's got that granite chin. He's got good cardio, considering all the muscle he's carrying around. And uh, as basic as it sounds, I think he's just going to out-tough Jordan Wright. Um, so I know you don't actually need a method on this one, but just as right. kind of a bonus, I actually see Marquez getting a submission late in this fight. How about that? I like this Nate Phillips cat, right? You can tell he's not nervous at all. Dulcet tones. So, yeah, Kenny, I mean, Jordan Wright is is a really interesting cat because – some of these finishes are just some of the more violent finishes that I've seen in that seat, right? The way these bodies just cripple and he's such a humble kid. It's sort of like a weird thing how he just destroys these guys. Um, Good test for him. I think at this stage of his career against Julian Marquez, Uh, what do you think about this main card opener here at uh, 185 pounds? Yeah, I think Nate did a great breakdown here. I, I think Jordan Wright is definitely the more dynamic striker. I think there's, um, a lot of tools that he uses out there that can be very tricky. He kind of has that karate style, bounces really well in and out. Uh, but it seems like it seems to fade a little bit over time. And that's when Julian Marquez gets stronger as a fighter. Um, and I couldn't agree more. I, I do think that Julian is a bit of a slow starter. Um, he's got to be careful early on because, again, Jordan Wright, I think, has more tools on the feet. Um, he is more dynamic. Got to watch out for that kick that comes up very quickly. 
Um, but I think once Julian finds his timing and rhythm out there, I think Julian can make it um, more of a scrap. And when he does that, I think that the fight will favor him. If he can get on the inside, if he can wrestle Jordan down to the down to the mat a little bit, that's going to be a huge advantage for him as well. Um, so I think if you can make it a grinding fight, if you can make it a scrap, get on the inside, uh, I like Julian Marcus to win as well. And another interesting layer, we talked a lot about James Krause in the corner of Tim Elliott. Opportunity for James to get right back on the horse this weekend in the corner of Julian Marquez with uh, with that sort of newfound James, experience. James might even take a fight. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. All right, co-main <laughs> at heavyweight, we will take a round and a method of victory, Nate. Uh, it's a pick em according to DraftKings Sportsbook right now. Andre Arlovsky, minus 110. Carlos Felipe, minus 110. 36th UFC appearance for the 42-year-old Andre Arlovsky. Debuted at UFC 28. In November of 2000, Arlovsky has not finished anyone since 2015, but he has won three of four, Nate, and now he draws Brazil's Carlos Felipe. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, who doesn't love Andre Arlovsky? Remember when he had the long hair and the mouthpiece with the fangs? Oh. I mean, what what a stud, and he's still going. He's even surging now, um, won three of his last four. Uh, the win out of those that really got my attention was that Tanner Bozer win. Uh, I'll admit I didn't see that coming. I did lose money on that, but yeah. small price to pay for the pit bull to surge late. Uh, and then Felipe, on the other hand, he's won uh, three in a row, and anybody who does that is worthy of our attention. He hadn't really shown himself to be a knockout artist thus far in the UFC, and I don't think he's going to knock out Arlovsky. I think that uh, you know Arlovsky's more defensively sound and better footwork these days. I actually kind of see him just outpointing Felipe here and getting enough rounds to win the decision. So give me Arlovsky by decision. Arlovsky by decision for Nate Phillips. Yeah, it's a, an interesting case with Felipe. Some have suggested maybe a showcase spot here by the promotion to see if he can get a scalp like Arlovsky on his resume. few things on Arlovsky just for the listenership I found interesting in my research today. So when he got knocked out by Sergey Karatanov in 2011, and Kenny remembers this well, four straight losses, dude was left for dead, right? Like everybody said his career was over, his chin was gone. And that was 10 years ago. So then he has a stretch of 12 fights in which he only suffers one loss. And part of that was when he came back to the UFC. Then January of 2016, fights Stipe, loses. Uh, and that begins a stretch in which he loses five straight fights over 18 months from January of 2016 to the middle of 2017 left for dead again. Um, and he's fought 12 more times since. So <laughs> out this guy out at your own peril. You know, a lot of us thought Tanner Bozer was going to beat him, go to the window and bet against Andre Arlovsky at your own peril. What are your thoughts on him here against Felipe Flo? This is an interesting fight, you know, for, for Carlos Felipe, this is, um, particularly a, a big fight for him. He asked for this fight. He called out Andre Arlovsky after his last fight, um, felt it would be a good matchup for him. Um, it, this is going to be a tough one. Um, I, I think Andre sometimes though, doesn't throw enough volume. Um, Carlos isn't this big knockout artist. Can he knock out Andre potentially? But I think more than anything else, the way that he wins this fight is with volume. He's got to stay active. He's got to stay busy. Um, he's got to win it round by round. Um, and I, I think that's where he can win this fight. He's the younger fighter. He's a little bit busier, in my opinion. Um, and I, I just think he just needs to outpoint him. Um, and I'll, I'll go with Carlos Felipe here. I definitely could see it going the way of Arlovsky. It's a very close fight. Um, experience is, is definitely going to be an advantage for Arlovsky here, um, of course. But uh, let's go with the younger Carlos Felipe. Decision? Uh, decision, yes. All right. Carlos Felipe for Ken Flo. Nice to see 
the disagreement there. And that brings us to our main event at Featherweight, Aspen Ladd, minus 150. Norma Dumont, plus 130. We'll need the round of the method of victory. So Ladd is 9-1. and one. She has not fought since 2019. As many of you know, she was to compete in a main event about nine days ago. Was unable to make weight. That was at Bantamweight. This one is at Featherweight. So an opportunity, of course, for her to spin that narrative right around against Norma Dumont, who won a split decision over Felicia Spencer earlier this year. That earned her this main event against Holly Holm. Of course, Holm is out and Ladd is in. Nathan Phillips, who do you have in the main event and how do they get it done? Yeah, you know, this main event's been through the ringer. Originally, we even had Misha Tate as the headliner and then it was Holly Holm. And uh, now it's Aspen Ladd stepping in, like you said, after missing weight against Macy. Um, She's jumping up in weight classes. And unfortunately for her, um, she's getting a good size featherweight. You know, Norma DeMont could even be in the 150s on fight night. And uh, we know Aspen's bread and butter is getting that takedown and that vicious ground and pound. Uh, unfortunately, though, I think that Norma's going to be tougher to take down than what Aspen is used to. Um, also, Norma, uh, I think she's the better striker and she can crack. Like she could knock men yeah. out, you know. And uh, we've seen uh, Aspen, she can be smoked by a single shot. We saw Durandamy do that. Um, so normally I wouldn't pick against Aspen Ladd, but with the two-year layoff, the jump up, the late notice opponent, I'm going to take DeMont here, and I'm actually going to take her by knockout in round number three. Man, you're doing good, Nate. I like the way you think. Um, Ken Flo, what do you think about Ladd and DeMont? Short price on Ladd here, minus 150, DeMont plus 130. Yeah, listen, uh, I was hoping I'd be able to uh, pick up here uh, on the underdog, Norma DeMont. but uh, Nate is on to it. I, I agree. I, I think uh, Dumont is the better striker. Um, you know, I, I think that she moves pretty well. I think she's strong for the weight class. I don't think she's going to be an easy takedown for Aspen. If she does get taken down, I think she can defend herself long enough to kind of get back to her feet or survive the round. Um, and I don't know. I, I think Aspen's been dealing with a whole lot lately as well. Um, so, this is a tough fight. Uh, I think both women are capable of getting it getting it done. Um, but I really like the potential of Norma Dumont. I, I think she's someone to watch in this division. I, I think she's really tough. I think she's underrated. Uh, doesn't quite have the experience. But um, seeing what I've seen from her, she seems very mature. Um, and uh, and she's pretty good everywhere, man. So I think she's a solid fighter. Uh, I like her to win as well. Um I, I think it probably will take her a little bit of time um, uh, to, to get the win or she wins by decision, but let's go with fourth round TKO. All right, fourth round TKO for Norman Dumont. And uh, she better be a fighter to keep an eye on in that division because there's only, I think, three of them chasing the featherweight champ. Amanda <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, at Nate Phillips MMA on social media, and you can find his work at fightfreaks.co. Nate Phillips, great job, my man. We will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Kenny, I fucking love you. You finish fights. You do everything possible to win. And if you're an icon, you're the best in the biz. Uh, Thank you, brother. Thanks so much, guys. This was great. Appreciate you. Nate, thank you. There buddy. he is. Great, great job. Nate Phillips, MMA. And probably a good time to tell you there are some changes coming to the main event challenge. Um, Nate could end up being one of the last handicappers that, that we end up using in the mix. Um, we're going to be... Leaning on some uh, some different fighters and athletes. And uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, for example, is going to be coming on to make picks against Ken Flo next week. And uh, more details on the main event challenge thereafter. Uh, Podcast.com for the merchandise. Code AF10 for 10% off. Ken Flo's YouTube channel is... 
well, it should be called FlowTube, but it's on YouTube um, for all his jujitsu stuff. Don't forget, remember the show, Jason Anik, Bilal Muhammad, live this Thursday on this very channel. Last thing before we go, I mentioned the Florian Shirk fight, obviously, during the fight between Damon Jackson and Charles Rosa. Don't go back and watch it for the Ken Flo verbal mention, but you need to go back and watch it to see how many pints of blood Damon Jackson donated to the canvas. See, when I'm watching football and there's like a knee injury or a leg injury, I can't watch that stuff, right? I have a hard time stomaching it. I love the blood in MMA. I just love it. I can't I can't help it. I just love it. I get so excited when there's so much blood on the canvas, like first fight of the night. So do yourself a favor and just watch. I mean, literally, I check if, you, it out. if you put a pint glass below Damon Jackson's cup, oh, it would have filled up. It would fill it up. In blink. Yeah, in a blink. Um, Brutal, all right, man. so next week, I mentioned Ashley Evans-Smith. We'll talk to her about her potential return. We will have Chris and Kyle Dawkins on the show as well. And also some picks coming up for the October 23rd middleweight main event. Big fight between Paolo Costa and Marvin Vittori. Our executive producer is Cody Merrill. With that for Ken Flom, John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching, for subscribing. Tell your friends, uh, click that like button, comment away. We read them all, even if we don't get to you. And we'll talk to you next Monday. Until then, yo fucking later. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business. And it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. 
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com. We are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 